Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Again, we said it before in Ecclesiastes, we cannot fall prey to reading our Bible like the horoscope. People say, you know, I read a verse in the morning and then I read my horoscope. Eh, not good. We, we cannot read the Bible like it's some self-help book. No, we read the Bible because it is the way we come to a satisfying knowledge of a satisfying and trustworthy Savior. Have you ever wondered why certain people that are really going through the ringer have so much peace? Pastor Jim explains that when we come to know God, we are changed every day by Him. If we get into reading our Bible on a daily basis, He will reveal things to us through it. As you get to know Him more and more, He changes your outlook on things. You too could become one of those people who has that indescribable peace during rough times in your life when you'd otherwise crack. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part two of his message entitled, If I am going to die someday, what should I do now? God is sanctifying us. That is part of the miracle of, of salvation. Again, we said it before in Ecclesiastes, we cannot fall prey to reading our Bible like the horoscope. People say, you know, I read a verse in the morning and then I read my horoscope. Eh, not good. We, we cannot read the Bible like it's some self-help book. No, we read the Bible because it is the way we come to a satisfying knowledge of a satisfying and trustworthy Savior. Now, you might say, well, okay, that's fine, but I'm still afraid something bad's going to happen. A lot of people are afraid of that, right? Walking around all the time. <laughs> I said, remember when I was a kid, I would be worried about something, and my mother would go, what if the sky falls down? Now, stupid me, I'm like, hmm, what would that be like? But he's just playing with my head, right? Well, we'll look at chapter 9, verse 1. He says, For I considered all this in my heart, so I could declare it all. Now, look at this. That the righteous... Now, let's stop there for a second. Who are the righteous in the Bible? Well, partially it's the way people live, but ultimately it's the people who've put their trust in God that He has made righteous. So, if you're here today and you're not a Christian... You've never put your trust in God. Really glad you're here. I hope to get to know you. I hope to become your friend. You know, I try to talk to as many people that I don't know after the service just to find out where you are with God and where you want to go in, in your relationship with God. He says here that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. You should probably underline that in your Bible. Because you know what he just said? That all the evil that happens to you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ is somehow in the hand of God. Somehow he has got his hand on that. Remember we've talked a lot of times about Romans 8.28. You know that verse always sounds great coming out of your mouth but not so great going into your ears. That God works together all things together for good. You know, you're going through a bad thing and your friend's like, oh, remember Romans 8.28? And you're like, yeah, I'll eat Romans 8.28, you. Give me a hammer, man. I'm going to clock you, man. But, but really, 
doesn't mean that bad things are going to somehow be good. It means that somehow all things work together. Remember the illustration we've used? It's like, like cake. We all like cake, right? Who likes cake? Trying to get you guys alive. Who likes cake? All right, you like cake. How many of you eat just flour, you know, cups of flour? You don't. It tastes terrible, right? But somehow God takes the ingredients of the cake and mixes them all together and makes cake. So maybe your bad experience is just the flour, right? And so he, he, he's working it all together. And so he says here that all your experiences are somehow in the hand of God. Loved ones, we have to continue to preach that message to ourselves over and over and over. Because all the other voices are thinking it's bad, I'm doomed, it's over, it's not going to happen, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lousy, I'm worthless, or, or whatever it is. All the other voices that we allow into our heads, mostly from us, right? Who's the most influential person in your life? You are, right? We're all the most influential people in our life. These other voices come in and we have to preach to ourselves that we're in the hand of God. So he says again that the, the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. He continues, and because here's the problem. He says, people know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. Remember, he's talking about righteous people, so he's talking about believing people. Here's our problem. We don't know God's motivation for what he's doing in our lives. We don't, we don't know why he's doing it. Because we're limited in our wisdom. Let me give you an example. You ever hear anybody say something like this, or maybe you've said it. God is punishing me. And of course, if you're a Christian, you're, you're trained with your answer. You go, no, no. God loves you. He would never punish you. The Bible writers come along and you go, God's punishing me, do you think? And they would go, I don't know. What'd you do? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> You know, could be. Why? Because the Bible writers are, are not, you know, cheesy prosperity teachers, like on the TV, that are, that are like, well, you know, if you're healthy and, and wealthy, it's because you've you got enough faith and you're living the righteous life and you're doing the right thing and God's so happy with you. And if you're poor, right, let's, the ushers will come forward and take, we'll fix that right now for you, right? If you're poor or you're sick, they want to say, well, something must be really wrong with you. No, the, the Bible writers have their theology completely straight. They'll simply say, listen, I can't always figure God out, but, and the but is so important, I can't always figure God out, but I know I'm always in his hand. That I know. I have no idea what he's doing, but I know he's got his hand on me. And I know he's caring for me. That's the confidence that a Christian can have. But what's going to happen, a Christian can say, when I die, well, I don't know, but I know I'm going to be with the Lord. Well, how's everything going to go down? I don't know, but I know I'm in his hand. Now, in the Old Testament, the hand of God often referred to a picture of, his, of God's power, of God's strength. You know, they would pray for that the hand of God would come upon the enemy or the hand of God would, would rescue them. In the New Testament, though, I think it even goes further, and we think of the hand of God as the, as the nail-pierced hands of love as God reaches to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. But what's love in our culture? 
It's gross, isn't it? It's this gushy Hollywood emotion. When, when in the Word of God, it, it has a lot to do with acceptance, that, that God loves, God accepts people through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you profess faith in Christ, your, your concern is not that God accepts you. It's not, your concern is not that God loves you. Your concern is not that God's hand is upon you. It's how we respond to God because all those things are true. And then even when bad things come our way, we accept them because we know that we're in God's hand. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, and after you trust in Jesus Christ, you, just not, you don't just trust in Jesus Christ and walk out and leave forever. You, you and I have a part in our faith. We have a part in it growing. You're doing it right now. If you're just here punching your religious clock, sorry, eh, no good. We're here to worship God. We're here to learn about God. We're here to have God quicken who he is to our souls And as our faith grows, our wisdom grows. And as our wisdom grows, as we perceive how much more we are loved by God. That's why the Bible has to tell us we're sinners. So we see the love of God in Christ on the cross. As our love of God grows, as we perceive his love for us, as our faith grows, as our wisdom grows, we accept the limits of wisdom. We accept that we have limits on what we can know and what we can figure out because we say, I understand that I have limits, but I understand that God's love has no limits. And he loves me even though right now it seems like he's grinding me to powder or it seems like nothing is going my way. Number two, death is certain. Pursue godly enjoyment now. Death is certain, pursue godly enjoyment now. Verse 2, all things, another version says a common destiny, all things come alike to all. One event, and that event would be death, happens to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath, as he who fears an oath. What is he saying? Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Verse three, this is an evil in all that is done. There's that term, under the sun. This seems wrong here on earth that this happens. That one thing, uh, another version says, the same fate happens to all. Truly, look at this, truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. So we're all indicted there, right? That's sin. Madness is in their hearts. While they live, and after that, they go to the dead. Now, the Bible teaches that we all disobey God, and the result is death. Again, the love of Christ will seem more real to you when you realize that. You might think, oh, that's ruining my self-esteem. But no, 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 no. It's, It's teaching you how to properly think about yourself in relation to God. So we all disobey. The result is death. Now, there's obviously degrees. You know, the pushback is, well, I haven't killed anybody yet, right? <laughs> you know, I don't steal too much. <laughs> you know, I'm not as bad as other people. The Bible says, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So the fact is we all die. You love Jesus, man. You love Jesus. You read your Bible every day. You pray. 
right? You give money to the poor, you give money to your church, you serve in the church, you help people, you know, people respect you for the way you live. Guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. You're going to die. Others, people hate God. Selfish, crooks, murderers, thieves. Guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to die. They're going to die. Cheesy TV preachers, guess what? They're going to die. No matter how much they tell you, oh, I got enough faith, they're going to die, right? It's going to happen. Death has been called the great equalizer. And notice how God in the Bible is so benevolent in letting people wrestle with that, wrestle with the inequalities of life. Because, because here's the thing, we never arrive. The scariest thing God could ever do is allow us, while we are still alive, is to arrive in our faith. Do you realize how bad that would be? No, God wants us wrestling with this book, wrestling with it, trying to, trying to get to it. What is he saying? What's he doing? Figuring it out. Because as we wrestle, as we work out, we get what? Stronger, stronger. Verse four, but for him who is joined to all the living, that would be what? That'd be people who are alive. How many of you are alive? Just checking. How many of you are alive? Most of you, most of you. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. You're like, praise the Lord, this depressing book, there's some hope. Here we go, here it is. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. You're like, thanks, man, very helpful. <laughs> very helpful. Right? Now, some of you are like, a dead dog, a living dog, I love my dog. Right? You always have to be careful when you talk about dogs and cats. I made a very critical mistake in the last service. My beloved Pam was here and I talked about my cat, so now I'm gonna be in trouble all day. My cat and I got into a serious rumble yesterday morning. I get up at 5.15 and he is just like screeching and I'm like, my house, not yours, right? <laughs> and I kicked, I mean, I told him. <laughs> I told him the way it was, right? Now, uh, dogs in the ancient world for the most part, were scavengers. They were the least respected of all the animals in the animal world. And lions were the most respected. Now, some of you say, well, thank goodness it's not the ancient world because my dog, all right. Now, I'm going to make a little enemy with some of you dog owners. I still think that lions are more respected than dogs. And let me prove it to you. Maybe not more love, but more respected. You take your kids to the zoo. How many of them go, I want to see the dogs, right? They don't do that right? They want to see the lions. They want to see the king of the forest. But he says, listen, a living dog, a living scavenger is better than the king of the forest who's dead. Remember, he's looking at life under the sun. Look what he says, verse five, for the living know that they will die. I really wonder about that. <laughs> That's one of those verses I read in the Bible. I go, yeah, you look at a lot of people, they don't, it doesn't seem like they're going to die. You're like, you should buy life insurance. So like, well, I'll buy it if I, if I think I'm going to die. <laughs> I mean, you think you're going to die. <laughs> so, so a lot of people, you know a lot of people, they live like they're never going to die? They think they're never, it's never going to happen. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything that is done under the sun here on earth. 
So what's he telling us here? What's the Bible writer telling us here? I think now the Bible writer is telling us this. As long as you're alive, there's still hope. As, as long as you're alive, you can change the course of destiny. You can, you, can, you can make changes. You can actually start living. You can, you can start to make the best of the days that you have left. Today, now. You remember that old thing, today is the, the first day of the rest of your life. But when we die and we go in the ground, the hope of earth dies. And that's where he takes us now and as he moves to verse 7, he gives us some advice and some counsel. But notice as the Bible often does with its advice and its counsel, it has a tone of urgency. It's not like, ah, you should do this someday. No, there's a tone of urgency. We'll see why in a minute as we go to our verse right here. And he says this, he says, go, go. But as he's saying, do it now, get to it. There's no time to waste. Do it before it's too late. Lay your worries aside. Lay your excuses aside. Well, I would follow the Lord if this, or I would do that if that. Uh, and and just, he's like, just lay it aside. Go. 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 Eat your bread. Now, bread to us is like, eh, whatever, bread. But, but to them, bread was like meat to us. It represented strength. It represented life. Eat your bread with joy. And, and drink your wine. Now, the Bible does say that you, not to be drunk, drink your wine, symbolic of joy, with a merry heart. And look what he says here. For God has already accepted your works. Another version says, God has already approved of what you do. So, you're saying, oh, great, I can do whatever I want then. There it is, right there. But remember, he just said a few minutes ago, he was talking about righteous people. So, people who take... What God has given them, right, what God has provided, in this case it would be bread and wine, presumably, okay, we, we might say the, the body and the blood, you could also say, right? Interesting picture there. And, and presumably you would share it with others, right? Not something you would, you would do by yourself. And, and God says, enjoy it. What does that mean? That joy is part of God's approved plan for your life. I mean, a lot of people are so miserable, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. For a believer, joy should be a regular part of your life. God has already approved it. God has already said, this is what I want. So if you go like, God, can I enjoy my life? God's like, approved. <laughs> you don't need to ask. Now, godly enjoyment, yes. We can't just go off the rails and do what we want, but godly enjoyment... He says, verse 8, let your garments always be white and let your head lack no oil. Okay, what, what's that? Those are symbols of joy and righteousness and purity. Oil, a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Also, what is it? The opposite is what? Well, sackcloth and ashes of mourning. So, so what, is, what is God saying? Listen, if your mourning is a time for mourning. We covered that back in chapter 3. But if you're not in mourning, what does God say? You know, wake up in the morning, right? You know, put on your tackiest bright shirt and go out and live for Jesus, man. <laughs> go for it. Have a good time. Look, look at this. He, he says, verse 9, Live joyfully with the wife whom you love. Again, I, I, I want to pause there for a second. The audience, presumably young men, young leaders, the up-and-coming 
of, of Israel, and, and typically they would be married. And I wonder if this is King Solomon at the end of his life after having 700 wives and 300 girlfriends on the side, which we talked about earlier when he went to seek after the meaning of life through pleasure. And I wonder if he's saying now, listen, man, I realize I did it all wrong. And, and telling these, these uh, young guys, man, just, just find a girl. Remember that old song? Find a girl, settle down. You know, if you want, you can marry, right? You know? And... Uh, but he says, just find a girl, settle down, get married, and have a great time together. Enjoy life. Now, anybody who's married knows that married life is just full of ups and downs. And most of us, after a certain amount of time, know that we actually probably grow closer in the, in the difficult times. Maybe not in the midst of them, but certainly afterwards. So he says, live joyfully with the wife whom you love. Look at this, all the days of your vain life. Now, he's not going in your lame, hey, listen, take your lame wife and your lame kids and your lame family and go enjoy your lame life. (laughs) That's not what he's saying. Remember, we said that vanity or vain can also be breath or short. So what does he say? Your life, if you're married, it's going to go very quickly. Enjoy it. And most of you know that Pam and I, last year, we celebrated 25 years of being married. Everybody says all the time to me, hey, congratulations. I'm like, don't congratulate me. It was easy for me. <laughs> congratulate her. How does she do it? I'm like, eh, a lot of bread and wine. I don't know how she does, but, you know. <laughs> no, she doesn't drink. So he says, he says, live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given to you under the sun all your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. Verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever work God has for you to do, do it with your might. Work hard, man. Be diligent. Work for God. Work for joy. You know, joy, you have to work for joy. It doesn't come easy. You know, those of you who are married, you know you have to work for it to be good. Now, I know all the young people, they're like, oh, not us, you know, oh, we're love, man. Is that... Go to the info table after the service, we'll set up your counseling appointments, <laughs> right? Because it's inevitable, right? He says, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. This is it. This is it. How sad many people equate faith with not enjoying life. Oh, I'm going to lock myself in a tower and I'm going to, you know, read the Bible and pray and look as miserable as I can for the rest of my life. When the Word of God teaches the exact opposite, the exact opposite, many people think Christianity is a prison when the Word of God teaches that it's actually, as Jesus said, the only way to really be free, to be free indeed. It's the only way to really live. Most people hate their work, God says, no, man, pursue your work with enjoyment. Pursue your work with excellence because it's the work that God has given you to do. God has given you to do it. Quite simply, enjoy a meal. Have a laugh with your spouse if you're married. Enjoy your work. Change diapers with joy. Enjoy your job. Enjoy being a student. Go to church and worship with God's people all over the Bible and disciple somebody. Take the richness of what God has shown you and share it with somebody else.
and find somebody who may be just a little bit ahead of you and let them share some things with you and you bless them and share what you're learning. You say, well, this is Old Testament, Pastor Jim. Okay, let's fast forward a thousand years to the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, Jesus has already ascended, right? Church is under some persecution. People are like, we don't like these Christian people. Get rid of them. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you have heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions that you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to connect with Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is available on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.